What's up, freaks? Welcome back to the Freaks Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Salo. Actually, I'm back in the moon base. It's very quiet here, obviously. Uh, but with me virtually, as always, Dario from Freaks and the Proc Space, of course. Well, it's Thursday. It's Thursday, um, April 23rd. It is the Procast number 53. Uh, Recording from yeah. home still. <laughs> Still recording from home. Yeah, but things are looking to be getting better. I think right so. now. Hopefully this trend will continue. I mean you are able to go to the studio with no 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 police holding you off like <laughs> Not so sending far. you back home. <laughs> Not so far. Yeah, and we're trying to figure out if we can do some live stuff here so that we can still make content and send it out, but we have to see what's responsible and you know, how many people in yeah. one place and, and stuff like that. But Dario, we have a guest on the line. Tell us who we have. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, happy to have uh, Lucas De La Rosa today here on the broadcast. We've been talking a lot yeah. uh, about the projects uh, this uh, incredibly talented musician is involved in. Hi, Lucas, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. <laughs> one of the most uh, yeah. talked about artists on the podcast, <laughs> I might, I might add. <laughs> Great to finally have you here. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, as always, a little uh, heads up for the last episode. Uh, last week we had the guys from Feather, Feather Mountain from Denmark, um, Christian the drummer and Mikkel the singer on the show and on monday i had another huge ass um what's hot list with 60 new videos from the previous week only which is insane crazy uh, anyway but it makes uh, you wonder if it's just like like people putting out what they already had in store you know because everything gets you know has been pushed off and canceled and stuff and so it's like yeah, let's get the, something out because i mean i don't think people are like shooting music videos right now you know no but they, they, yeah there's definitely some stuff some older stuff that maybe was lying around on people's hard drives and they like br polish it up a little bit and release it right, right now um, or, you know, Daniel Tompkins just, uh, put out, uh, sing through of cages of from Polaris, yeah. which was the Tesseract album from 2015. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I include stuff like that as well, even though it's not like fresh stuff that of albums that are going to be released or anything. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, super exciting a lot of uh new music and uh our listeners will know the section with which we we established to kick uh, things off with our guests as well uh, that is the what's in your walkman section uh so what's in your not, walkman luke not sponsored <laughs> by sony <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have you been listening to uh lately anything specific that uh you you're vibing to right now these days no <laughs> i mean um i don't really have much time to listen to music for my own pleasure because i'm always making it or producing it so i guess what i'm enjoying lately is the album that i'm mixing currently because it's so good <laughs> so yeah i should i should promote it a little because like I, th I think honestly it's gonna be the Album of the year 2020 <laughs> to me. Wow. Uh, if it does release in 2020. Yeah, uh, at least in the yeah. prog sphere to me. Uh, yeah, that's a big call because Haken is going to be releasing an album. But <laughs> I'm calling it Album of the Year 2020. Yeah, it's uh, it's from this band from Lebanon that's called Turbulence. And uh, I believe they already have a recorded. Uh, I don't really remember. But um, yeah, this album that I'm mixing from this band Turbulence right now is amazing. It's Got got tire prog. Wow. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you, you you actually showed me a little clip already, and it sounded amazing. And uh, I I had had it in in my notes for today to to ask you about your current producing jobs and about this band specifically because I remember <laughs> you were you were excited about it. Um, 
So, uh, I mean, yeah. I wanted to just yeah. add, if I could add something to that. Um, do, uh, Lucas, do you do you sometimes, like, reference other um, mixes or other albums, like, when you take on a project like this one? Is there is there another record that maybe, not that you want to emulate, but that you maybe draw uh, inspiration or just check your mix against? Yes, all the time, always. Actually, It's actually a requirement for working with me. I ask for favorite productions oh, wow. in a style that's more or less the same as the album I'm going to be mixing because I, I got to know in which direction I'm supposed to be going because yeah. if the artist has a very specific taste about things, I can't afford to work in the other direction and then he tells me that it's the wrong thing i have to go back so i always wow. ask for references to mix against always so that also sounds like you uh adapt to each project you don't have like one particular sound that you force on productions like like i think of like neil kernan sound um <laughs> you know it, it, whenever you hear a neil kernan production it sounds like a neil kernan production what you're saying is you you try to tailor it to each project yeah, I try to as much as I can because, like, I'm going to have a sound regardless of what efforts I make. Like, uh, I'm not going to stray too far from how I sound when yeah. I mix, so better try to adapt as much as I can to what the music is asking me, you know? Yeah, cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, that leaves us a bit hanging with because we, we, we try to, we, we always fill up the, the, the uh, Spotify playlist always with the what's in our walkman stuff but if you don't have any recommendations I mean, for maybe something uh, from the from maybe something that you're using as a reference um we could we could add to the playlist uh i don't know <laughs> uh don't, i'm honestly you should wait for the album to be released and then put the entire album in the playlist <laughs> <laughs> we will do that for sure and we will try to reach out to the to the guys and 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 see um what we can do, uh, yeah, to to promote the album, uh, definitely. Um, but uh, well, before we dive into more uh, Lucas De La Rosa stuff, let's uh, check what's in Randy's Walkman. So uh, yeah, I I don't know if you if you guys know Andrew Lloyd Webber, of course you know Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Um, he's been. During Corona, that he's been he his company whatnot has been releasing live streams of his musicals every Friday night, um, like from London, uh, and they already did Jesus Christ Superstar uh, and um, the Technicolor Suit one, which I always forget the name of, uh, and then last Friday was the Phantom of the Opera, uh, and so they released nice. the the. I, it's probably something that you can buy. It's it was like the 35th anniversary performance or 25th or something like this. I think 35th anniversary um, at the Royal Albert Hall, and uh, they brought all the old cast members back too for some encores at the end. And this was a musical that I'm not a big musical person, but when I was 11, I went on a trip to New York with my mom, and we saw Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. And I think that that Apart from maybe Queen, um, Night at the Opera, I think Phantom of the Opera had the most influence on me as a young person in my like musical direction, like going into, particularly for Prague, because it kind of sent me into more this like symphonic, operatic, kind of uh, dramatic music direction that had to also be like dark and stuff. And so like, metal and things like that like so for me like uh, back in the day you know i got into like symphonic metal in the late 90s i guess you know and and this definitely all comes from this experience from seeing family opera when i was 11 i even brought the poster home like i bought a poster at the gift shop and that was like my first metal poster was like the Phantom of the Opera <laughs> on my bedroom wall. So I haven't really listened to it in years and years. And, and then we watched the, the live stream at home and just got me back into it. So I've been like playing different versions on, you know, Apple Music, like different, different singers, you know, like listening to the different versions of how people sing the stuff. So, yeah, that was that's what I've been listening to. Dario, what's in your Walkman? Yeah, I have a good one actually. Um, uh, again, thanks to my friend Eamon for uh, uh, 
um, yeah, giving me the heads up about this album. It's from a guy called Martin Gresh. Um, you guys might have heard him already on the Tesseract song Hexes, also on Polaris. He was a co-writer and co-singer on that song, and he has an album out, which oh. is called Hush Mortal Core, and it's freaking amazing. It's um, very eclectic. There's a lot of stuff going on, like from ambient and uh, pop influences to avant-garde to um, jazz and also some genty riffs here and there, but a lot more earthy the, compare, as compared to mm. the very overproduced Tesseract sound. Yeah, okay. And, and, and a lot more diverse as well. Tesseract has this one defined sound they perfected. Mm-hmm. And that is like such a roller coaster ride. The ride, this whole album. I think I'm I'm gonna put "Ecstasy Astral Melancholia," the penultimate song. Uh, maybe I'll put two songs. It's like um, yeah, I've listened to it three or four times. Right after uh, after the first listen, I had to uh, I listened to it a couple of times the same day. Um, but yeah, that is that is a huge discovery, and um, yeah, I'm super excited about music that is fresh and doesn't sound like uh, yeah your ten thousands run of the mill copy of yeah absolutely Tesseract Dream Theater genesis you name it (laughs) (laughs) phantom of the opera (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah that 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 is uh that out of the way um so we can fully focus on our guest today but at the end of the or towards the end of the show we will have a very very special uh announcement that's gonna be Officially announced only tomorrow, actually. Um, but until so we get to that, only the cool then, kids will um, know. Yeah, until until we get to that point, I, I, um, I mean, uh, Lucas, we've known each other for maybe two years now, and uh, we visited each other, went to concerts together, and stuff. And so uh, I, I of course, I know your your background, where you come from. But the, uh, a lot of listeners might not know where you come from, so uh, I would like to to start maybe at the beginning and ask you um, where where do you come from? Mostly musically, of course, and uh, yeah, um, how how did you start making music or getting involved with music? All right. So I come from France, northern France, uh, but I also have some Spanish family. And uh, when I was about six or seven years old, I started playing guitar because my dad was playing flamenco. And I I just wanted to do the same thing because it was super cool. And uh, so, yeah, I started picking up guitar and then my parents got me into a music school and I started piano as well because it looked cool. I wanted to play piano. And uh, yeah, so I've... I've kind of always been on an instrument, I feel, but I started practicing a lot more when I arrived in high school because up until then I was kind of one of the very few people that were actually playing music. Uh, and uh, when I arrived in high school, I went to a high school that had a music specialty, I guess, and uh, there was lots of really, really, really good musicians. And, uh, and so I realized that I was falling behind of what I would want to be able to play. And so I started practicing really seriously from that point, especially guitar. And uh, yeah, I also was writing music. Uh, I always kind of wanted to make my own sounds and make my own songs. So I naturally ended up recording things really early on. And so there's not a precise point where I can say I started mixing music uh, I just always was recording and trying to tweak the sound for forever. And um, yeah, what can I say? I'm still doing uh, this right now. <laughs> yeah, the, this uh, this music uh, high school. Um, uh, how how important was it for you for the for your 
yeah for your musical path i mean there's there, there, there's a lot of talented music musicians coming from that school and uh, there's also a, a youtube channel uh, called music me um uh-huh. where there's also some some early concerts of you from school like from a couple of years uh, <laughs> yeah but right don't, don't watch them <laughs> <laughs> i was afraid you're gonna say that i'm already yeah, looking them up <laughs> no <laughs> um <laughs> uh, Yes, that that was when I started practicing. So don't look the videos that were before or like right when I started practicing. You know, <laughs> uh, but but how how did it influence your also your uh, the, the interest in Prague? Because I know you're the the music teacher who runs this is a very crazy Prague guy, and there's a lot of in the in these music in these school performances. There's um, uh, an amount of prog in there. You, on this channel, you'll find uh, uh, renditions of uh, um, the greatest prog songs in the history. Like you know, you'll find Genesis, you find Camel, uh, King Crimson, but also uh, I don't know, Opeth, uh, Leprous, Porcupine Tree, probably uh, Pink Floyd. Um, yeah. How how did it influence your like like uh, how how big was the influence on discovering Prague music? Uh, it was everything. It was massive. Um, yeah. So Vincent, the teacher, is really into this older Prague, of course, Prague rock, and uh, he really has his his tastes, and it's really really slow to make him like something else. Uh, but so anything that is King Crimson. Atoll, Ange, things like that. It's Vincent who wants to push it to the to the concerts. But then everything that is Dream Theater, Libris, Opeth, all of that stuff is just students that bring it in. And uh, every year at Millet, there's like tons of uh, students that are into Prague for some reason. Funny. And uh, and yeah, and it, it is kind of it's kind of a tradition, like you know, showing Prague to uh, younger students, and they get into it, and then. They're the ones who show prog to to each other. So yeah, I I heard I started hearing about Dream Theater at school. And I started hearing about Opeth at school, and you know I didn't know what prog was before I arrived there. So yeah, it was everything. Yeah, so crazy. Um, at yeah, uh, 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 yeah prog hotspot and uh, a talent machine. I mean. Uh, our listeners might also know uh, the Blue Wave Quartet. I've mentioned them a couple of times. They were also there a couple of uh, um, semesters below you. Um, uh, they came after you. Uh, so, yeah, but it, during this time, um, you, you already started working on your own music, and that's also where... I believe the archetype demo material uh, uh, developed and you recorded and you also put it on Bandcamp where it is until now. So that was during your school days, actually, when you said you said you um, you composed and recorded this stuff between when you were 16 to 18 or something. Yeah, more or less. Um, well, like, to, to, be, to be exact, like... Um, in, it was in 2013 that uh, we uh, started rehearsing to play uh, In the Name of God by Dream Theater at the end of the year school concert. And uh, because of this whole year of like rehearsing every once in a while, uh, we, you know, uh, the, this alchemy started uh, forming and we... Archetype is basically just us wanting to make a band because we loved playing together because we've played this Dream Theater song, basically. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's when I started writing. It was when we were rehearsing the song, basically. I started writing songs that we could play together as well. And, uh, yeah, I it was more or less finished by the year I was living high school. Yeah, so I was uh, 19, I guess, actually. Uh, at 19, it was finished. Um, yeah, um, actually, I totally forget that. Yeah, of course, Archetype is a, the complete band is coming from the school, right? No, except uh, for uh, the drummer, right? Yeah, uh, we it, it, the um, 
the band as we were rehearsing in the name of God was me, singer Susie and bassist Arthur. And there was another drummer and Vincent, the teacher, was uh, playing the keyboard. And so uh, it was too complicated to work with the drummers. So we ended up uh, working with Marsouin, which yes. is, uh, which is uh, a, a bliss to work with. It is amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and so at, at first I thought it would be cool to find a keyboardist, but I ended up giving up on it because like uh, we're four you know, close friends and uh, I, I can play the keyboards myself in studio and it would just be more gear on stage. So I'm fine with just being a four piece. I think it sounds cool. <laughs> Hey, is this um, performance also available on YouTube? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like I've seen it before now that you're talking, describing yeah, it. It, it. It definitely is. I'm just, uh, you know, it's just awkward for me because I was Absolutely. like 15. And... <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's an amazing performance of uh, archetype singer Susie uh, performing the great gig in the sky. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, of course. Wow. There's tons. Like, if you search any song on that channel where Susie is, it's going to be amazing because she's an amazing <laughs> singer. Uh, All right, we, we're going to talk about archetype uh, uh, maybe later in the show a little bit more. But now that we're mentioning YouTube, uh, apart from a lot of band projects you've been involved in, um, <coughs> you, you also have a YouTube channel where you where you do crazy stuff and and funny stuff. And uh, uh, for example, the Dream Theater Opeth mashup that got you a huge boost through actually Dream Theater sharing it, their official yeah. Uh, yeah. Dream Theater uh, page. And I, I was, that was a kind of surprise because from from the the band, how, how the band presents themselves, I would have guessed it would be Opeth the first to share it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, it, it, funny. Um, because Mikael is such a funny personality um, and I don't get, that from dream theory to be honest uh, well, not, not from the uh front man at least yeah i would say that uh there, there's really i don't think there's anyone in opeth that's more into social media or anything yeah. you know uh whereas in in dream theater uh jordan and mike mangini are are into this stuff they post a lot jordan is live on facebook all the time every day i get notification jordan yeah. is live on the piano so, yeah yeah <laughs> so it's most likely jordan that shared it on the dream theater page because yeah. he's into sharing things in social media but no one in opeth is so yeah. i wouldn't expect anyone in opeth to do that yeah that's right <laughs> so yeah that uh, youtube channel is definitely also one one thing you you've been doing for a while um and i just wanted to do also give give a give the shout out to that because it's yeah it's uh, cool and, and di different content different from the run of the mill YouTubers who try to be funny and you know it's just yeah it's cool content. Do you, um, but, do, you have, do you have a, a certain focus on your YouTube channel in that way? Since Dario is bringing it up, like the style as compared to other people's uh, guitar YouTube channels or music YouTube channels, is there something that you try to do with it, or is it just like stream of consciousness? No dream theater pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> no, so um, I'm always uh, advised to focus on one thing. Is like if <laughs> if people if people subscribe to a channel, it's because they want to see a specific type of content that they've seen there. And if if they if they get flooded with notifications of videos they don't actually care about, they're gonna unsubscribe. So the biggest channels on YouTube are like focused on one thing that they do and they have a branding for this specifically. But uh, I, ca I can't get myself to do that, or I would have to have like 1,200 channels, you know. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm not, um, I, I'm not a focused person enough for this. Uh, I just, I don't have drive to do one thing specifically on the internet. I, I, there's so many things that I want to do and that are really, really fun to do. And, uh, yeah, I would be bored out of my mind to do one thing. So I have to just, you know, post random stuff on YouTube that I had ideas for and hopefully a decent load of people will follow. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I guess I'm just not the average or uh, not average, but the usual YouTube fan. <laughs> I mean, there, there's these channels like Jared Dines or, or Steve T or, or, or K-Mac that they have their very 
very specific YouTube style of mostly posting funny stuff. Yeah. But that's like, for me, it gets annoying very quickly and, 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 you know, so, so I do enjoy like a more broader variety of content a lot more. That's cool. That's reassuring. <laughs> I've also seen Rick Beato have actually a lot of different topics discussed on his channel, and yet the channel is absolutely huge in terms of followers. So it's kind of reassuring. I think I can do that. And yeah, you're right. Uh, and not I, enough I, people. I actually never watched a video of him, but I, I heard him mentioned a lot in the last year. But he's doing also a lot of uh, like. Uh, um, serious music stuff, right? Yeah, he's mostly discussing uh, music in an analytical way. I don't really like him that much, to be fair. I think he says okay. a lot of bullshit, but uh, but <laughs> okay. he's a great example of something who has success on YouTube despite talking about a billion things that have nothing to do with each other. But okay. I'm pr probably the next step because some of my videos have nothing to do with each other because some I'm talking and some I'm playing music and some it's just a meme. So it's kind of yeah, more all over the place still. So. Um, yeah, but apart from the YouTube channel, you also have your musical outlets where you do have to focus a little bit more on one specific sound and uh, going chronologically through your career, uh, of course, the first big release would be after the archetype demo would be in July 2018 would be Veltine from Delcy Hill. Yes. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the project. Uh, <coughs> uh, uh, what Prague fans can expect from it because I know a lot of prog fans that like it, but it wouldn't be like a typical prog album. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't even say it's a prog album. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, you were saying first used release after the archetype demo. I don't even consider the archetype demo is really a release in any way. Like uh, it was initially the demos I sent to the other dudes so they could, uh, you know, practice the song. And uh, but I, I was still sharing them to people. Uh, actually, I was talking to Richard from Hagen, and uh, he asked me if I could put it on Bandcamp because it would be convenient for him with the app. So I put it on Bandcamp for Richard, and I never oh. promoted it or anything. I never posted uh, on Facebook about the fact that there was music on Bandcamp for Market. I've never said it. Thank <laughs> you, just thank you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't thank him enough because um. Some listeners might remember last year I even went to Cherbourg to see you with Archetype, which didn't happen because it was raining. <laughs> uh, but if it wasn't for those demos being on Bandcamp and I'm, I'm absolutely loving them, I, I would never gotten this crazy idea to uh, uh, take a train for a thousand kilometers uh, to see a band that doesn't even have a debut album out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, well, I would probably have sent them to you, you know, if we were talking already, I would I would have dropboxed them to you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so back to Delsa Hill, because I have this other project called Delsa Hill, and we do have an album out, and that one was a serious release that we tried to promote. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's prog at all. Um, it's basically... Uh, it's a lot of my writing, but influenced by what uh, by what Gabe is listening to. We're just two people in the band. It's basically a duo, and um, you know he's really into this um, indie music. That's uh, it. Doesn't it never has the the prog aspect of being very edited and very perfect in all the places and super even spectrum in the production or whatever. It's very uh, lively music and very experimental in the way it's produced and uh that inspires me a lot and uh i guess i guess you can get some prog vibes from the chords that i tend to use in the album because that's how i write but uh it was my experiment of going more into the indie pop side of things and be a, a be kind of free with the production because we're both multi-instrumentalists and uh, so what I like in this kind of projects is I don't have to write 
in a way where I say, oh, there's a bassist in the band, so all the songs have to have a bass track, and there's a drummer, so there's going to be drums everywhere or anything. We just were two two people who play all sorts of instruments, you know, getting in a studio and just trying to write songs and uh, thinking, oh, what what instrument could we put there on that song? Or what could we have here? And with no limits whatsoever. So that's what I digged about it, uh, I guess. Uh, I think a lot of the songs were inspired by uh, sounds themselves because it was lots uh, about um, going through Axifit's guitar patches or uh, synth patches, just browsing things and tweaking things and suddenly stumbling upon noises and sounds where I'm like, oh, this would be really cool if it was a chorus that had those kind of chords and I play some chords and I record the ID and then I turn it into a song with some input from Gabe. And uh, yeah, it was a lot more inspired by um, sounds and experimenting in the studios and getting Gabe's IDs, uh, contrary to like archetype where it was like, all right, we are four people with those instruments that we play and we play in that kind of style of music. And so I'm, doing, I'm gonna do an album like this. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, cool. Um. Awesome. Next up in the next years, 2018 and 19, were uh, more a couple of um, releases that you contributed to in one way or another, in bigger or smaller capacities, uh, like Kior, Soledad, Elo, uh, mainly these three. Uh, did I forget anything? <laughs> Uh, probably, but I, I do forget <laughs> even more, you know, so those are probably the big ones that I remember the most, because uh, they were my, my, my big project, I guess, especially Soledad was like the the one I had the most work in. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, also, you say ELO on the broadcast, <laughs> is that a rule? Yeah, like, it, it, no one knows if you say ILO or ELO. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, we, we had this discussion a couple of times. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I even had Andy message me that I, I should keep on saying ELO. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I say ELO in French and I say ILO in English. So ah, funny. it's kind of it's, yeah. it's, it's, it feels more natural to pronounce as I in English. And but when I'm speaking French, it would make no sense. It would I would read this word in French and say "ilo." Also so, in German, yeah, I guess. Depends. Ilo. Yeah, yeah, in Ger that yeah, that's probably why I why I uh, started referring to it as "ilo." Yeah. Um, and I've been living guess. it in Germany too long to remember what English sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, what what were your roles in, in this? I mean, for Cure, for the Petricor, that was Cure, the second Cure album. You played a bit of piano here and there, right? Yeah, that's what I did. The, I didn't I didn't do that much in that album. I played a few piano parts, and that's about it. And Elo, I was doing the mastering, which is a lot less work than the actual mixing and you know pre-production. But solely that, I was doing. <laughs> fucking everything. Basically, Lola wrote the songs and I pushed her to rearrange them because I wasn't agreeing with some of the arranging decisions. So I kind of rewrote some parts for instruments, not really changing the actual chords or the melodies or the rhythm really, but the way it was organized, I guess, and uh, telling her to just throw away some tracks, some instruments, uh, or put some extras. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, I mixed all of it. I, I mean, edited all of it and mixed all of it and mastered all of it. So that, that was a lot of work for that album specifically. But it's great. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, probably know that I, we've been also been talking about Soledad <laughs> a lot. And I, I've been taking every opportunity to um, to mention them. As I did, I think last week or two weeks ago, when uh, when like it was a year since you uploaded your solo of uh, yeah. Indigo, and as I so I just mentioned it again in the um, <laughs> in the what uh, um, in what's in your Walkman section. Um, since you mentioned the solo, Dario, can I ask um, if you have any particular uh, like it? 
influence influential guitarists or do you take influence on the guitar from other instruments or other places than just guitar players uh, i feel like all of us guitarists in the scene are trying to find influences to stray away from the fact we're all influenced by petrucci <laughs> but, uh, uh, i uh, I would say, yeah, there's there's a part of my playing that is very not Petrucci and that I probably got more from uh, David Maximisch or Nick Johnston. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to plug my guitar in just to show what I'm talking about, but like, uh, uh, I don't like uh, when uh, the sound uh, stays, basically it's the neck pickup of the guitar. I don't want to get too technical because some people are not musicians in the audience, but uh, if, you, if you're in the neck pickup and you don't use too much vibrato and you, you, end, you end up having a very static sound and it's not really expressive to me. And I really like to have tons of overtones and harmonics going out of my playing and lots of bendings and vibratos all over the place and using the whammy bar extensively as well because I want my sound to be very moving, you know, uh, and that's that's how I feel like it's expressive to me. So the, that's the thing I, I got a little from David, I guess, mostly because uh, David Maximich, like uh, B-Lou. Um, yeah. Because like yeah, he's really really creative with sounds to make with a guitar that don't sound too much like a guitar. I would say the 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 solo in his song "Smile" is one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. And it's funny because usually when people talk about the solo in "Smile," they talk about the guest solo that's in the end. I, I believe it's Jeff Loomis, uh, and they completely forget about the fact there's a solo be before that. But the solo before that is my favorite. Uh, it's not a high gain shredded thing. It's just a mid gain weird noises solo, and it's the best thing ever. I love it so much. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in the playlist uh, as your entry. <laughs> yeah, that's <a> <laughs> um, Actually, just to, to not to digress too much into the music part of it, but when you mentioned like um, playing with the neck neck pickup and like the sound staying the same, this to me sounds very much like jazz guitar, uh, like. Like that's like the kind of classic jazz guitar, in my opinion. That sound of like the neck pickup solo, of like high on the fretboard, like noodly stuff. That that makes me think of like jazz music. Uh, which yeah, it's true. But uh, I would say, I mean, I still use a lot of neck pickup, but uh, it, it has to be in appropriate moments. And jazz jazz soloing still sounds good because it's this. It's all of those notes being stringed together in a way that's nice, and it, they don't really need to have extra vibrato or harmonics or whatever, because mm -hmm. the choice of notes and the way they organize is so cool. And uh, it's the same thing when I try to write. I just uh, either I have really long notes that ring out for a while, and if I do that, then I want to have a lot of vibrato and evolving harmonics. But then when I get shreddy or do faster stuff. I go to neck pickup and I have I try to have a really consistent tone because the focus and the motion of the sound is in the the number of notes that are going on, you know. So going playing fast or being really expressive with vibrato and harmonics uh, are just two ways of getting the sound to be in motion constantly. So you don't need to do both at all times. In, and I in, love both. in constant motion. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the second dream exactly. pun. Yeah, well, uh, I would say you can't get away from Petrucci; he's everywhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now that we're talking solos, actually, a very, very interesting thing. Um, I think two, two very iconic solos from Delcy Hill: uh, uh, "Sleeplessness" and, of course, from the Indigo solo we've been talking about a lot. They're so fundamentally different. Uh, so how is how, how do you approach these two different kinds of styles of playing? I mean the the yeah the indigo solo is kind of more more the classical uh, show off solo, but you also incorporate a lot of other styles of the other guest musicians on the album guest soloists. But then again, Delcy Hill. With uh, with the the sleeplessness solo with its with a um, Evo is just something so unique that I've never seen or heard before. Uh, so how do you 
come up with uh, two things that are so different, but both very, very iconic for me, at least in the last years, as guitar solos. Um, it's funny because I wouldn't say that they're that different because I guess I had the same, I still have the same feeling in me when I'm writing one. But uh, they, they, they will be fundamentally different because I'm using an Evo, obviously. And uh, yeah, for, for those who don't know what an Evo is, it's a little device, a magnetic device that makes the strings vibrate. And so when you use that, you don't need to plug the strings or pick them. They just ring for eternity and you can slide around. And there's it's a really, really smooth sound because there's no attack whatsoever. And that's what I used for the sleeplessness solo. And because of that, it sounds really specific because this this it's just this one fluid line that goes uh, up and down whereas in indigo there's a lot of you know really attacky picking i guess but otherwise in terms of like bending and getting the right overtones to pop out to be expressive i kind of feel in the same way and i would say that um, my, my my intent and my inspiration when i'm writing is actually really really raw because um, like maybe if I'm uh, uh, if I, if I'm writing rhythm parts and gentle complex rhythms, maybe I will think a little more in an analytical technical point of view. But what I'm writing lead things, um, it's very it's a very very raw gut feeling, and uh, I'm not I'm, I'm never really writing. Uh, except for the much faster stuff, but usually when writing solos, I'm never really thinking of, um, oh, I'm gonna put a lick in that style here, in the in the style of that player there, uh, or anything. I'm I'm just uh, more than trying to be influenced by guitarists. I try to just emulate uh, vocal properties. I would say I, I try to get my guitar to sound like a voice or like. Um, like someone crying or someone laughing or something, something like this, something that feels like the raw emotion of uh, of a voice, and uh, and yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I go for uh, most solos, uh, especially when slower. So I feel the same about both, I guess. That's super interesting. That that was that was uh, some really interesting bit of information for uh, for me as a non guitar player uh, for me as a someone who is not really playing a solo instrument actually um so yeah so su super interesting that you feel feel this way about it that uh, that they're pretty similar <clears throat> approach for you i'd like to drop um, a little reference for the ebo thing because i think this is uh, maybe interesting for listeners um who also know your work I think if, if people go back and check out Blackwater Park from Opeth, um, that yes. album, uh, they really brought in the Ebo for a lot of those sort of lead melody lines. Um, and so this is like a nice place to hear that because they, they really stand out as, as part of the songwriting and uh, as well as like how they, yes. um, how they craft the songs using that, that tool, the Ebo. Yeah, exactly. And that that is why I put uh, a bunch of Evo in that video where I turned that Dream Theater song into an Opeth-style song. I just, uh, you know, I had to put some Evo because it's so iconic from Blackwater Park. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that uh, goes goes full circle now. But yeah, uh, yeah you already mentioned you're a, you're a multi-instrumentalist and... Uh, but uh, we 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 haven't actually touched on your singing. Uh, I mean, you you were you you were singing together with or with with Gabe on Delcy Hill. Both of you were singing on Velveteen. Um, but there's a new project where you also uh, do vocals. Um, there's uh, debut single Amaze. I already. Um, Plugged it here on the prog space. It's out since February. It's called Aque Furtive. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. And it's also two vocalists. So there's uh, uh, some someone doing harsh vocals as well. Uh, how, how did this project come together? And how, um, I mean, we just had the album artwork revealed yesterday or two days ago. 
and it looks amazing. And the, the debut album is being made as we speak. And how, how did you get involved with it, with it? And how do you see your role there? And, and what, what, what does it mean to you? <laughs> Uh, so uh, it's most of all Iago's project, this dude Iago Franco Gonzalez. Uh, it's it's his song, it's his project, and uh, uh, it's not really like like we were bodies and wanted to play together and made something. It's kind of like it's his stuff, and I'm kind of a I'm more of a session player actually in that project. It's not really my thing that much is is more like uh he's actually paying me to sing on it and play on it so uh yeah um but so if, um, if, you, if you had more questions about the project you should interview yago as well <laughs> <laughs> no but you uh, will you be on the debut album as well that would be the question Uh, yes, I believe so. It's planned to. Uh, there's, there's another song that's ready, I think, that he's gonna send me, so I, I play on it and probably sing on it. But um, uh, I, th I think he's gonna get me singing on the whole record. I'm not even sure, actually. <laughs> okay, so this is still up in the air, but I know from Iago that uh, production has been delayed. He's, uh, uh, I think, Lanzarote or something. Some of these... Yeah islands and he wanted to fly to berlin to 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 record with with his other buddy who's involved in the project but that got delayed because he can't travel yeah. um so but that that is another interesting um project you're involved in um Mm. That I also really liked, but I think now it's now we're coming to the point where we're we're in the present, we're in the now, and uh, the the reason why we in, invited you uh, to be part of the broadcast finally uh, is because you have a solo EP coming out. Yes, the announcement is made now. Now everyone knows. I mean, all the cool kids who listen to the broadcast know that I'm releasing something now. Uh, so it, it's called Sunlight Highlights, and it will be out on May 15th on Bandcamp, I assume, digital only, right? Yep, digital only, but all platforms, you know. Yeah, but for to purchase properly, yeah. you can... Uh, yeah, buy it on Bandcamp, and um, yeah, tomorrow is gonna be the announcement, and then you're gonna have um, in the next week you're gonna release some playthrough videos. Yeah, um, exactly. It's a four-track EP. I've been sitting on it for what now two months, maybe or more, and I'm super excited about the release. It's four songs, and in it's 20 minutes. But there's so much crazy stuff happening in it, <laughs> and uh, that, um, I, I can't wait to to see the reaction of the of the prog world to it. Actually, <laughs> Same. Lucas, can you give them a preview? What you think? What what they can expect from the from the EP? Uh, um, I, I guess I'm gonna give a little background for it and 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 the name and the concept. It's really simple. It's just that um, I've, I've been reading writing songs for for a long, long, long time, of course, and uh, I, I tend to have uh, very different sounding songs whether I write them during the day, especially if I'm in a good mood, or at night, and especially if I'm sad, of course. And so uh, Sunlight Highlights is basically four highlight songs for me in all the songs that I've written when it was sunny and that I was in a really good mood and I was just wanting to have fun, basically. So I would say that you, you can still feel a progression within the four songs because the first one is uh, a slightly kind of nostalgic still. It's, uh, it's not that happy, I guess. Uh, and and the second one is still in that. Uh, I mean, yeah, I haven't talked about style at all, but it's pretty <laughs> gent to be fair. Still, but yeah, it's an uh, instrumental. Um, it's instrumental. Uh, it um, it tends to be brutal, but it's like um, still happy uh, overall. I would say the production is very modern, and the first song has a, a bit of a math rock, post rock uh, influence to it. 
So, so because of that, there's still this kind of, uh, you know, nostalgic vibe to it, I guess. And then the second one is still has a bit of a math rock side, but even a bit more gent and uh, and also a, a chorus that you know Dario is is just uh, <laughs> is all, almost a joke. It's just fun. And then the third song is a, is completely ridiculous, and the fourth as well. So it just to me it just gets funnier uh, as you get through it. Um, you said that this is like the 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 lightness. EP in a way. Um, does does that mean that we can expect in the future the the darkness EP? Yes, uh, I was I was thinking actually uh, of of all those unfinished songs that I had in my computer. I was thinking I, I could do an album uh, that would be the the day songs and an album that would be the night songs. But I ended up thinking that uh, most of them were shit. But uh, yeah, the the day songs. I think those. I would say those first three actually were the best. And then I was like, yeah, three songs for an EP is really short. So I, I, I slide in in the fourth one, but the last track is it slightly feels like a bonus track to me, but it's still fun. So I had it there. And uh, so, yeah, maybe at some point I will release either an EP or an album of uh, moodier songs, depending on how many there are that are actually usable, I guess. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, um, I feel like we need both in this time. <laughs> we need some lightness and we need some catharsis, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll start with the lightness then. I mean, it's funny to say lightness uh, and uh, and to have this uh, artwork that you will see is really like a, uh, light, I guess. Uh, it, it looks light, light-hearted, but. Uh, I also sometimes have fun by writing the most brutal shit ever. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there, there's kind of both of those, you know, there's moments in the EP that are really, really cute. And there's moments that are complete, you know, destruction. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of a roller coaster, I guess. I think, I think you're getting the, getting that across really good. That, uh, the, 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 the bru- brutality is also fun. This yeah. way, the musical heaviness and uh, just plain plain ridiculousness <laughs> yeah I, it's, a, it's a very important thing to me I think that uh, the reaction when I li- when I listen to a song uh, I mean if it's really sad obviously I'm not gonna laugh at it but uh, usually laughing at a song because it's so extreme is is the best thing you can get out of me and i try to get this when i'm writing if i'm writing something and listen to it back and i'm laughing then it's probably that i should keep it and and release it because like that's that's the best sign to me that it's amazing music because i really like to if i have an intent a musical intent i really like to take it to an extreme Uh, i like things to be intense i guess Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, super excited about this release, as I said. Um, and uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for uh, the playthroughs dropping the next Fridays leading up to May 15th. Yep, exactly. It's going to be each Friday is a, will, will be a, a post, I guess, on social media about it until the last Friday is the full EP stream. Now nice. that you mentioned social media, that brings me to an interesting question. Um, we've been talking about it in our private conversations, but uh, you don't have a an artist page on Facebook, for example, for all things Lucas De La Rosa. You just have like your private profile, and you have like five thousand uh, friends there. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I guess the endless discussions. What brings more reach? Uh, an artist page with 5,000 likes or uh, a personal profile with 5,000 friends? Um, so well, yeah, I mean, where, through which channels will you, uh, will you promote <coughs> this stuff? Um, so I don't really have an excuse for not having an artist page because there, there's nothing to lose, you know, and if you if you can be on every single social media that exists and post there, 
then yeah, more power to you and you should do it. But uh, of course I would probably uh, focus on the ones where I know I have people seeing what I post, which right now is Facebook and YouTube, I guess. Although Instagram is starting to grow just now, but it's also really easy to make an artist page from Instagram. Like uh, I think there's an, literally just a button in Instagram that lets you create a Facebook page that's related to your Instagram account. So I will do this as soon as I announce the the EP because I will have stuff to post on the page. But uh, yeah, I just just I guess I didn't really want to bother having an artist page with just a few likes and uh, posting some stuff that no one will see and every once in a while and sometimes never posting anything. But now that I have specific things that I will have to post regularly, I'm gonna make one. And um, that also ties in with with the, with my following uh, more or less final questions uh, regarding the future. I mean, Sunlight Highlights probably won't be the only release where you're involved for this year, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there will probably be a lot, uh, hopefully, since I'm also mixing and mastering for other bands, so I, I hope I've, I have... I'll have enough clients coming in as well. But uh, yeah, hopefully the archetype record will be releasing this year or maybe early next year. It depends. It's, it's really unsure right now because like uh, since it's complicated right now to travel and work together and the album isn't finished. Well, I don't know if uh, if we will get it finished really soon. But uh, yeah, this is getting done too, I guess. Hmm. So uh, I mean, the 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 personal uh, artist page would you you could also you you would not only promote your solo EP through that but all of your projects. Yes, right. Yeah, definitely. Because um, it's again, I was saying earlier that I tend to be advised to uh, have channels and accounts and things focused on one specific thing because people are going to follow it because they want one specific thing out of it. And uh, so I still have the archetype page and of course the Delta Hill page and whatnot. But uh, yeah, the, specifically the Lucas De La Rosa page will be where I, I put everything I do. And with that, I'll have a lot of content to post about, I guess, uh, between my own songs with my own projects and also the guest solos that I'm doing for other people yeah. and the mixing and mastering that I do for other people as well. I will promote all the bands I'm working for as well, I guess. And yes. uh, I'm, I'm still wondering if I, uh, if I will make a, a separate architect channel for YouTube though, because, um, you know, it's still the same thing of like people, would tend to unsubscribe for my channel if they subscribe for archetype and they see that yeah. I punch a bunch of memes. So, um, <laughs> so I still don't know because at least for a debut, uh, is it, it feels if it, it feels wrong to post it on a channel with zero subs, and yeah. uh, whereas I can put it on my. Um, on my channel that has a few thousand subs and also that is already monetized so we can make a few euros from the, the <laughs> album stream I guess but we would make nothing if I post it on a new channel so that yep. would feel like a waste kind of yeah, it's just, that, 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 those are really interesting behind the scenes yeah. uh, thoughts that you, you'll have to think about if you market yeah. and promote your music um yeah, looking into the future, you already said uh, the archetype record is coming along. Of course, now uh, also a little bit of extra delay because of the current situation. Um, there's still a couple of stuff that needs to be recorded. Yeah, uh, this is mostly the vocals. So if, if yeah. Susie can't travel here to record the vocals, then the album isn't getting done. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what about other things? Uh, Delcy Hill, is there Wealth 2 coming up? Uh, uh, I mean, we, we've released the instrumental version on Christmas to have something to post. And I actually have stems exported from Velveteen. So I, I guess we could do a one-year anniversary or two-year. No, it's been two years. Yeah, two years, <laughs> I think. Or three yeah. or two. No, yeah, two, two years. 
Okay, uh, <laughs> never know. But yeah, okay, I could release the stems on the day that it was released, I guess, to have something more to post. And then, uh, yeah, Delta Hill 2 is like, uh, is in the works, but like very early stage. Uh, it's gonna be, I, I can just say it's gonna be very conceptual and um, it's, gonna, it's gonna be a story behind it, uh, much more than the first record. It's gonna be the same for Archetype, to be fair. Like, the first Archetype record is songs that are just me having fun writing music with uh, other friends, and they tend to have uh, uh, a concept behind it that just came along more or less vaguely, and it's open to interpretation. And it's the same thing for Velveteen. The lyrics are uh, a bit weird and mixed up, and stuff that he wrote or that I wrote and that really good together and it makes a really open to interpretation thing. But then I know for a fact that we've been talking about the future second archetype album that will be a concept album with a storyline and characters with dialogues and really clear story. And uh, Delsey Hill is most likely going to be something like that. I can't guarantee that it's, it it's going to be as much a concept album as Archetype because Gabe is not as much fond of it as I am. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're fighting over this, but uh, I really would want to have uh, more conceptual things because we have great, uh, we have great ideas for a, a storyline. And uh, yeah, it's basically the whole story and the concept and even the track list actually is already done for Delsey Hill 2, but none of the music is written. <laughs> we have, we oh. have all of the titles of the songs, but I didn't write a single chord or note for anything. Wow. So that's a weird <laughs> process, I know, but yeah, that's, that's what it's going to be. But it's going to be in a while, I guess. Uh, I'm kind of, especially right now, I'm kind of juggling with uh, lots of things, uh, especially right now, because uh, with all the musicians that are stuck at home, and want to do collabs and have guests and get their songs mixed. You know, they're not just out gigging, they're at home wondering what they can do with their music. So I'm getting a lot of people in my inbox just being like, can you guest on this? Can you produce this? Can you mess with this? Can you do that? And uh, yeah, right now I'm, I'm kind of like a bit all over the place. So uh, having several projects musically of mine as well at the same time makes it that uh, there are some projects that will take quite a bit of time, I think, to get released. All right. Yeah. Um, but, but some of the um, bands or projects that you worked with in, in the past years are also working on follow-ups, like uh, Elo, for example, yeah. Soledad, of course, Cure as well. And uh, also, uh, we didn't talk about them. I'm not sure if you were even involved in the first release of Orinthia, but I heard through the grapevines that you might be involved in in the second Orinthia release. Um, are you are you involved with any any of those follow ups? Follow -up uh, releases? Uh, as far as all of that you mentioned, uh, except Orinthia, actually, but all of the others you mentioned, I'm. Uh, I don't know if I will be involved or, or not because they're at early stage. Okay. Uh, uh, except for Kior, I, I guess, because like Marswin from Archetype recorded the drums from Kior, and uh, I'm, I'm hyped to see to hear how it sounds. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I guess Soledad 2 is still in early stages, and um, and Ilo as well. They're still writing, but uh, Orinthia, it's always a bit ambiguous because. Um, Liam is one of my closest friends, you know, and uh, we talk about music every day and we share things about what we're writing or doing every single day. And um, because of that, uh, I would say it's it's actually kind of obvious how in the in the upcoming uh, Orinthia record, there is stuff that has been influenced by me be just because I've been playing with Liam. And, you know, uh, Liam is probably having a big influence on the next things that I'd be writing for sure. So uh, there's there's a bit of me in the album regardless, I think. <laughs> and uh, and whether or not I'll be actual an actual part of the production process is still, uh, you know, we'll see that in the future, I guess. Okay, cool. Very good. Um, our, the, the producing jobs we already mentioned uh, very early on that you're super excited about Turbulence, what was the band name of the band? Yep, 
It is turbulence, exactly. Turbulence from uh, from Lebanon. Yeah. And as you said, you have a lot of um, a lot of uh, requests for guest appearances and um, producing jobs and stuff. Um, so um, I guess we'll we'll hear a lot from you in the next uh, in the foreseeable future. Not only. Uh, sunlight highlights and, yeah. um, so stay um, tuned for the upcoming uh, artist page from Lucas <laughs> yes yeah for all the news yep exactly great I think that uh, covers about everything uh, where there is to say right now thanks so much for uh, joining us Lucas it was great no, thank you for having me it was cool yeah it was, it was really really interesting insights also also for me as a uh, as a friend of yours and we've been talking a lot um there, there's still some some stuff i some new stuff even for me <laughs> <laughs> all right guys that was uh, i think that was the show for this week um we'll be back next week with another special guest um that we might also announce uh before the show this uh, this time, um, just uh, keep keep uh, tuned. Keep your eyes on the freaks and uh, proc space channels. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Lucas, for joining us. Uh, take care of yourselves out there, as always, and um, talk to you soon. Freaks out. The Freaks Progcast, presented by the Prog Space, is a production of Stuus Media and is recorded at the Moonbase Studios in Munich. The show is produced by Janine Stangel, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, Dario Albrecht, and myself, Randy M. Salo. Our theme music is provided by This Is Not An Elephant. Thanks for tuning in, Freaks. See you next time. Freaks out. Freaks out.